Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Sander Lange podcast. Today, we are talking about The Way of Kings, chapter 16 and 17, wherein flashback time, it's a flashback. It's a Kaladin flashback. And we get to meet, like, you know, his girlfriend and then some uh, other guys, his brother, Tien. He doesn't have his third eye yet, but maybe soon. And then we go back to, we flash forward to Kaladin you know, current day. And uh, we see what he's trying to do to become a better bridge leader. It's pretty cool. Uh, with me this week, as always, is... Jamie. Dita. And Dak. Yes, we're all here, back together, to talk about Way of Kings for you. So hold on to something. The Sander Lanch is about to begin. Fear in the blade, the spirits of the fallen face, torn and degrade, my legacy in name. Bend in the code, to father duty long So yeah, another another Kaladin flashback and uh, another Kaladin chapter. So what did you guys think of the continuing tale of Kaladin Young Man and Kaladin Bridge Man? Yeah, uh, Kaladin Young Man. i got to admit, I was spending like half the chapter worried that this was going to be when something happened to his brother. And I was mm. dreading it the whole way. And I'm kind of glad we didn't get there because I feel that emotionally I was not quite ready for that yet. So it was... Like I've been, I've been enjoying his flashbacks. His possible girlfriend was kind of weird, a little bit, but I, I kind of like the dynamic. And then seeing how he's interacting with the other, the other kind of kids his age as well, and how different their lives were. Even though, you know, he wasn't like particularly noble, it was, it was very different. And he was kind of always a bit of the outcast. So. I felt for him, and I guess getting the that first taste of holding the weapon, which is, I guess, really the birth of the Kaladin that we know and love now. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to more of his flashbacks. Kaladin in the, in the present, it's good to see him using some of his surgical knowledge, and he is just too good of a person to be involved with Gaz. I hate Gaz. It just rubs me the wrong way all the time. But it was it's nice to have like names on the other bridge members. And, you know, you've had previously all of them like watching him run himself ragged, carrying that beam, and then to continue to stand there today while the you know, the rest of the crew's resting and like he's taking leading by example to a whole new level but then helping them on the field and insisting they come back. I think he's going to come back and there's, there's going to be a hell of a lot of respect for him and for what he did for the crew members. Like that's going to be more than trying to stand up and, and motivate them watching him do what he did and, and like running up into the, like the death line as well. Like it's pretty ballsy move, but they definitely are showing some, I think, did they use the word reverence almost or, I can respect. Oh. There was a different word they used, but it was, you know, they they were silent, just watching him do what he's doing, and 
you know, he really is willing to help them. It's not about standing up and big noting himself. He's He's got some knowledge and he's very experienced. So I hope this will continue to mean good things for him. Yeah, it's it's interesting how, you know, none of these people cared about each other at all. But as soon as Kaladin starts showing some he's trying to help people, some of the other guys get on board and they're like, oh, fine, fine. We'll help you save people. It's it's it just takes the like that leading by example is doing like I think you said more difference than him trying to get them all up at the crack of dawn and train them and give them speeches or whatever. Yeah, that will come in time once you know that, you know, the guy who's trying to lead you actually cares about you. Mm. And then you've got people who care about each other. We try and do everything we can to put ourselves in the best shape to survive these things, you know, which obviously they've never made any effort to do before. So, yeah. I think it'll it'll be good. I like Rock. Is it Rock? <laughs> yeah, Rock. Yeah. Like he's basically insane. He's like you're you're insane. Well, I guess I'm insane too. <laughs> like you're cool. It's just I mean you pointed out that like we we have some names now and it's weird the difference that just knowing some of these people's names means because before it was just like this faceless nameless crowd of people who were going to die. So what did we care? But now you're not going to get to know them, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. they're another person. I'll probably steal your sandals later because they're in a better condition than mine, or <laughs> you don't have sandals because you don't deserve them. Like, that's all we really got of people. But now you've got names to people that you don't even, like, really know. We haven't interacted with, but that entire front line was named. And so when you realize that, you know, one of them had died or something, and it's like, oh, oh, like, I don't know you. I've got no idea who you are, but you had a name. And Paladin obviously took the time to get to know you, and we know how he feels when he loses somebody, so that's sad. Yeah. Yeah, these chapters were good-ish. Yeah, I flashback Kaladin. It was it was fun getting to kind of see that his relationship with Tian a little bit, and and then the there's a lot of leadership, cool leadership stuff going on in the second uh, second chapter. Uh, I will say overall, these chapters definitely made me like they posed more questions to me than they really like answered there's a few mm. things that are kind of said or spoken about kind of in an offhand way or in a slight way that like i'm just like wow what does this mean and so there's there's a few things that i definitely want to kind of like dive deeper into for this section so we'll we'll uh, as we get to those things we'll talk about them but yeah there's definitely some 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 questions that that uh i want answers for so you don't say a brandon book has questions and you want to uh, yeah you know it's a thing that I want, but maybe I'll never get. You you shall never learn the the secrets of whatever it is of yeah. Well, Gary I mean, you know, or, I don't know. Th- there was plenty of stuff in Warbreaker that I'm like, oh, we're gonna get answers for this, and then we didn't. And I was like, oh, <laughs> crap. M- maybe in the sequel, you know? Uh, yeah. Okay. Hey, we have Ours. a sequel to this book, so it's true. But <laughs> you never know. I think there's still stuff from Well of Ascension that I'm like. Without secret history, I would never have understood that. That was that's what secret history was about, telling you the secrets. Yeah, where is the secret history for Warbreaker? That's what we need. That's a question to you, Data. Where is it? No, I, I don't have it. No. Yeah. It, it, it was it was the annotations I gave them to you. Eh, I mean that uh, that filled in some gaps. Classic, classic Warbreaker. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, these chapters are all right. We're still in just the, all right, let's just set the scene a bit, like with the flashback. The flashback was kind of cool. It was nice to actually see Tien. I think the best bit was really when he lost the fight because he's like, oh, my God, I actually hurt someone. And the other guy, like, 
knocked him down. Mm-hmm. And 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 the other guy gave him some respect, said, "Hey, look, you fought well, but this isn't you, and I'm not gonna train you to be like this because that's not you. I like your dad will kill me. So no, you go do <laughs> you go do your thing. We'll do ours, and we're still gonna hate you. Sorry." I thought, "All right, that's an, that's an interesting little dynamic for someone we probably will never see again. Just yeah, seeing why Kaladin really wants to, yeah, he wants he wants to fight. He wants to protect. It just yeah." When when he when he wins the when he looks like he's about to win the fight, but he's like, oh my god, I hurt someone, and he struggles to reconcile that fact. So, like, oh, yeah, he really does. He's in it to help people. He wants he wants to fight to help people, and just doesn't quite know how to do that yet. So that was a cool little bit. And yeah, it was nice to see him become like becoming a leader to these guys. I also like Rock. Like he sounds like Dolph Lundgren in my head. <laughs> just, just like looking down at the other bridge, uh, the other bridgeman's like, if he dies, he dies. I like this apothecary dude. I think it's kind of funny how, like, first Shalan with the bookkeeper and now Kaladin with the apothe- apothecary guy. It just like the apo- like the shopkeeper tries to give them a little spiel, and they realize we know a bit more than what you think we do. Go get us this shit, and they're just like, all right, they drop the facade and go get their stuff. So that was yep. cool. But yeah, on the whole, pretty good, and uh, can't wait to see how this all builds. So that, that's what we've learned about shopkeepers of various kinds in this world. They they always have a fake face on to yep. try to convince you to buy their bullshit. I'm not buying your snake oil. Give me the real shit. Oh, okay. Because yeah, that, that guy's trying to sell, you know, like superstitious nonsense. And the other guy was trying to sell romance novels. And we're just not interested in either of these things. It'd be funny if Kaladin walked into the store and they tried to sell him a romance novel. But I guess he's he's a man. They can't. They don't read, so. You know, Ad, like Adeline's gonna go into like an armor or somewhere. They're gonna and they're gonna try and sell him some cheap shit armor or something. He's like, "What the fuck are you looking at? This is made of copper. That's not gonna work. Give me the, give me some steel, damn it!" And they just go, "Shit, okay, we got someone who actually knows something about warfare." I think that that's most of the Alethes. They're supposed to know things about warfare. At least the impression we got at this point. Yeah, maybe he goes to, I don't know, Thalen. Sure. We 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 learned that there are merchants there, so yeah, could happen. Yep. They don't they don't know so much about warfare, maybe. Yeah, it's the the whole thing with Kaladin, like you you and Jamie both kind of mentioned is just this this other perspective we're getting on Kaladin and like his status in society, because it's very different from the status he's had since we've known him. Is like him being separate from the other dark eyes for being, you know, like on a different level from them, basically. And so it's kind of it's it's weird, but informative, I think. Yeah, he's just perpetually trying to make more of himself. And he's, uh, it, it's, a, it's a classic, you know, me and my dad don't agree on what I should do with my life sort of situation. Yeah. And also this girl doesn't agree either, but what can you do? Okay, I guess let's let's do this thing. Let's get into these two chapters. Cocoons is the first chapter. And you, on these flashback chapters, we don't get an epigraph. So it's almost sad not to get another piece of like this letter or whatever it is seven and a half years ago so was our last one was like eight years ago so is this like slightly after that i guess no it's nine years ago so this is a year and a half after that and so cal's kaladin's out here sitting on a rock talking to a girl laurel and saying you know my dad wants to send me to carbranth to become a surgeon and she's like what and so laurel is a light eyes she has bright, pale green eyes, different from the browns and the blacks of the townspeople. There really was something different about being a light eyes. Yeah, your hair color, I mean, your eye color. 
but also her her hair color is kind of like <laughs> Adolin's that we heard about, where she's got like golden streaks in black hair. Hmm. I wonder how many, you know, you have you have like a fair babies that are born. It's like a, a bright a bright eyes woman who like gives birth to a dark eyes child, and and like the her bright eyes husband's just like a okay, what the fuck is this? Right. Like you're not passing that off as my kid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That 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 would be an awkward situation for everyone. Yep. You're, you're not wrong. Yeah. So we also find out a little bit about uh, like farming in this world where they have lavish polyps like growing on the hillside and they like it says they grow like melons filled with grain. And so when it's time to harvest them, you break them open, you got a bunch of grain to feed everybody. That sounds baffling. Yeah, they can't even grow plants like or, or crops like regular people. <laughs> Nice harvest of grain melons this year. Yay. <laughs> and Laurel is angry. But like, why didn't you tell me your father was talking about this? Don't you want to become a light eyes? Win a shard blade? Well, there's new information for us. You can become a light eyes. <clears throat> By getting a shard blade. Or is it a myth? Yeah, we don't know. So we find out in this chapter that the story is if, if a dark eyed person wins a shard blade, then their eye, they become light eyes. But apparently it happens extremely rarely, if ever. Yeah, the question Which, the question of win, how to win a shard blade is a interesting yeah. one. Well, I mean, yeah, if if you have to, you know, kill a guy with a shard blade to get a shard blade, we know uh, how difficult that would probably be based on when we've seen Seth fighting with a shard blade. So it, it's hard to imagine some regular dude having a shot at that. Well, especially if like a shard blade wielder can just poof it in and out of existence. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, we we find we found out in the prologue, I think, that if you kill a guy with a shard blade, the shard blade like appears next to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair point. So you'd be able to get it if you could take him out, if that's how you can even win them. Who knows if like you're allowed to keep it at that point? Get like find one in an alley and stab him. I don't know. And we get Kaladin's not sure. You know, there's these new feelings involved, like emotions that his father's sterile descriptions hadn't explained. Some of them about girls like Laurel. Yeah, it's called puberty, my dude. <laughs> Look, I'm just, yep. I, uh, you know, I, I was going to wait to bring this up, but Laurel is she she's obviously in love with Kaladin. She wants him to go out to war to become a light eyes so that she can marry him and her father, you know, her her family can't object. She's uh she's kind of crummy, in my opinion. But, yeah, uh, we'll see yeah. more of that as we go. I mean, they're if if they're around the same age, they're both like 12 years old or something. Most most kids are kind of crummy at 12. I guess that's true. 12, 13. Young teens are uh, driving you nuts. Take that, preteens. <clears throat> and I'm not sure I agree with your read on Laurel from this, but uh, we can get to that here in a minute. Yeah, maybe not, but I don't know. Uh, she has a fine yellow dress. In one more year, she'd start wearing a glove on her left hand, the mark that a girl had entered adolescence. So for now, she doesn't have to keep her, her hand covered. That's more convenient. Man, that's that's very restrictive. You've entered puberty. Tuck your hand in your pocket. Yep. And keep well, it. Well, she, she she gets to wear a glove, so that's not so bad. It's not as I bad guess. as like yeah, the, the sleeve. So then you go from having a perfectly functioning hand that you can learn to do everything with from scratch, and then be told don't use it. Mm, that's fair. Yeah. I feel like that's worse. Button that up earlier. Once you finish crawling. Learn from then. <laughs> yeah, just from the beginning. Uh, and she gives him a speech about, like, 
Look out there. The origin is out there. This is the Stormlands. Father says we're here to provide a windbreak for the more timid lands to the west. That's why the best warriors have always been from Alethkar. High Prince Sadius, General Amaram, King Gavilar himself. He's like, yeah, I suppose. She's just like, ugh, I hate talking to you when you're like this. Moping around and sighing. He's like, you're the one that just sighed. Shut up. <laughs> and so Kaladin's dad wants him to be a surgeon. He's still not sure what he wants, which is also probably real normal at 12, not to know what you want to do with the rest of your life. Yeah, but if this is like, you know, like many medieval societies, they kind of had to grow up a bit earlier. It's true. But like part of him wants to be a soldier. Like he dream, has these dreams of going off to war and being like this big hero fighting alongside heroic light eyes, doing good someplace other than this little town nobody important ever visited. And then here comes Tien, his little brother, uh, who's apparently small for his age. It says other kids called him a runt. But Liren's like, oh, he just hasn't hit his height yet. I forgot that their dad was named Liren, and I thought he just misspelled Laurel here. <laughs> Kaladin even says Tien looks like a boy half his age. So yeah, he's pretty small, I guess. What are you looking at, Kaladin? Dead weeds. Oh, well, you need to see this. And he found a neat rock where when you get it wet, you can see some cool patterns on it. I found it for you to make you feel better. And despite the fact that it's just a stupid rock, he kind of feels better. Maybe it keeps tigers away. <laughs> if they had yeah, tigers. and I didn't know. I, I don't know. Something about this seemed weird. It's like I didn't know if he if it was just the fact that his brother gave him something and it was kind of fun and it was something between them and something he knew his brother did a lot. Or if there's maybe like some kind of sensitivity that Tian has to like magic. Mm. I don't know. I just something about this kind of was interesting to me. Yeah, I don't know either. It's it's just like, you know, his, his little brother can make him happy somehow. And if that's magical or if it's just, you know, family, uh, either way, it's kind of sweet. And then Calvin suggests they try to find a Lurg. And Tian's like, oh, yeah, let's do that. And uh, he, he Calvin turns to Laurel and he's like, hey, we're going to go find some Lurgs. You want to come? She's like, you're cheerful. How does he do that, I wonder? He, your brother, he changes you. And Calvin's like, it's just hard to be gloomy when he's around. Come on. And, like, she holds her hand out to him and he's like, what, what's that for? To help me down. Laurel, you're a better climber than me or Tian. You don't need help. It's polite, stupid. And he, he's just like, man, she's been acting weird lately. So this is more of like, to me, that like she's in love with him kind of stuff. Like that she wants them to be this like idealistic boyfriend, girlfriend thing or courting, whatever you want to call it in this age. Well, we know from the previous flashback we had, and I forget if it's mentioned in this one, but that like Liren and uh, and her dad are friends. Uh, because her her dad is like the bright lord or whatever, and we also know that like of all the dark eyed people in town, like Kaladin's family is the highest ranking. Like it's said that they're like the only ones of this non with the ability to travel and all that stuff. So in my mind, it it reads more like she's afraid that she's gonna end up with Kaladin because like their dads are friends. He's there's no other light eyes around. He's probably like the nearest to her station in town. But she's like doesn't think he's good enough for her. And so he needs to go if she's going to end up with him, he needs to go off and like become a light eyes. But I don't know that that, that there's any uh, support for that. That's just the way that it's always seemed to me. Maybe I'm being too hard on her. Yeah, I mean, that makes it seem worse than what I even thought. Yeah. So my thought was just that she was like 
Well, no, actually, my thoughts were probably around those lines. It's like, he's not going to be good enough for me, or I can't even marry him if he's not, like, if he doesn't get the shard blade or whatever. But yes, I don't, I don't know. Her her motivation is left not completely explained. So yeah, like it does does seem a bit like she like she likes him, but she doesn't think she would love him unless he could become something more. Mm. Yeah, it's vague. So they find a lurg, which is uh, a little animal with six legs that makes a cocoon around itself. And the cocoon dissolves when, like, water hits it, so that when the storm comes, it, like, comes out and gets water or whatever. So they can artificially make it dissolve the cocoon and jump around by pouring water on it, which entertains Tien. So that's the important thing. I mean, I assume it's just, like, a caterpillar crab, because everything yeah. in this world is a crab. Right, yeah. Crab up. Yeah. Yeah, I know what we say, crab at thee. Yeah. <laughs> And she's like, well, what are you going to do if your dad tries to send you to Carbron? And it sounds like your dad's forcing you to do what he wants, not what you want, which is maybe true. I I don't feel like her motivation is uh, no. being honest there. But yeah, it's like, uh, well, if my dad says I got to go, that I'm going to go. And Calvin's like, I mean, everybody basically like all the other boys have to do the same thing. The farm, the kids of farmers become farmers. The kid of the carpenter becomes the carpenter. So I'm like, why should I be different? And she's like, but Kaladin, if you go to war and find a shard blade, then you'd be a light eyes. I mean, oh, this is useless. And he's just like, whatever it is, he doesn't get it either. He's like, why is she acting so weird? And he's like, I wouldn't mind going to war, but mostly I just want to travel and see what other places are like. Rall Alorum, City of Shadows, or Kurth, City of Lightning. Those sound like fun places. Let's go there. Uh, I'm going to do something I haven't done in a long time and back it up because you skipped the best bit. <laughs> he, wants to, he wants to say, oh. There are eels that sing. I'm like, oh my god, I need to see this. <laughs> We've established that, no, we, we don't need the eels, period. Nah, I mean, I singing you know. eels. Yeah, I mean, this isn't this isn't Flotsam and Jetsam we're talking about. These eels sing. Hey, they Flotsam and fly Jetsam too. are, like, underrated as far as Disney henchmen go. Like, they weren't used for comic relief, and they accomplished everything that they were told to do. <laughs> Interesting perspective, okay. All right. And, you know, the vil- when they did end up like, biting the dust, the villain was actually heartbroken. She loved them. I'm like, this is a, an underused dynamic here. We should see more like these guys. Mm-hmm. Certainly better than, you know, like Pain and Panic, where it's like you're wearing my enemy's merchandise. So, <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> and so Kaladin, she's got him thinking about, like, you know, his dad wants him to be a surgeon and do all this stuff. But if he becomes a soldier, man, he could go off and fight with King Gavilar. What would it be like to see the heroes from stories like High Prince Sadius or Dalinar the Blackthorn? Hey, we know those guys. One's great, right. one's not. Yeah. Eventually, the Lurg realized it had been tricked, and it settled down on a rock to spin its cocoon again. And Tien wants to, like, make it come out right away, and he's like, no, it'll be tired, it won't jump around anymore, we need to let it rest. I'll put it on a stone so that later you can drop it in Father's bathwater through the window. <laughs> uh, that's, I'm sad that we missed that scene. Uh, they're crawling around the boulders. The hillside here had been broken during a high storm several months back, shattered as if hit by a giant fist. People said assumed it could... that it was. <laughs> it might have just been like a giant boulder or something. We know those get thrown around in the high storm. We saw big ass stone monsters at the start of the book. The void was it the void breakers mm. in the prelude. The, the boulder oh, is tired of being thrown around by these giant storms. Is that that? <laughs> is it that boulder that's getting thrown around? Or... <laughs> 
they were thunderclasts, is what they thunderclasts. were called. Okay. Thunderclast. The boulder is over his confliction. <laughs> oh man. It's over his conflicted feelings. That's mankind in there. That was and I don't know, Data, if you remember, but it was when you, me, you and me were at Poet's Place, and that was the line, like, where, like, because I'd never watched Avatar before, and you guys said, oh, you, like, we're going to make you, like, how about we watch one episode, and if at the end of it you don't enjoy the show, we'll never tell you you should watch the show again. <laughs> and that was the episode you made me watch, and that was the line where I busted out laughing, and I remember, like, just going, oh, shit, and all of you around me was going, yeah, we got him! <laughs> <laughs> No, yeah, that, that's uh, that's a good episode to, a good to one. do that with, yeah. Yeah. Speaking of which, uh, the Netflix teaser for that just came out. It, yeah, it did. Is I don't know. Right? Yeah, um, I, I don't know. I don't it know feels it is, but th- that's what I was gonna say. It feels so unnecessary that, uh, like, on the one hand, I'm like, well, I don't. If you're not gonna do something new with it, I don't care. But on the other hand, it's like, but that's where we went wrong before was trying to get away from the story that they told that was great. Mm. So I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what, what what I could want from this, honestly. My first impression of was like everything is so bright. <laughs> Were the void bringers behind the destruction, or had it been the shades of the lost radiance? Laurel is looking at her home nervously, and we find out at the end of this that like while they're out here, her dad died, so she may know that this is coming during this whole scene, which kind of puts a different perspective on it. If she knows that her dad is super sick and about to die, then that makes this. Yeah. I don't know, because even Kaladin's like, I just saw him last week. He was fine. And he's like, well, he's always been frail. So it's like, did did was it well known that he was going to die, or did it happen kind of suddenly? Mm, yeah, that's a good question. Like, we, we don't know what she knows. And then they see men working out in the fields. It was worming season. We find out how the worms eat the grain if you don't get them out of there. In more detail than I really need, but, I mean, okay. Good to know, I guess. It was kind of interesting to me, because I was like, so how does that work when they say the worm like eats it and it's literally like it burrows into the bulb of this plant because like they're, they're weird plants like bulb and then you get the crop inside of it mm-hmm. and it's like instead they open it up and find a giant worm instead of their crop and i'm like oh that's that'd be a terrible surprise yeah you don't want that you imagine like they hang one of one of these uh melons like up like a pinata and let the kids oh. take turn hitting it to make the grains fall out. Instead, this fucking worm just hits the deck. Ew. Yeah, well, I, I feel like you figure out pretty quick that that wasn't the way to go if there's a possibility <laughs> there's a worm in it. <laughs> yeah, it says you, you'd find a big fat slug the size of two men's hands. Yeah. So I guess that's four hands, not just two hands. Yeah, bust out the salt, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Dehydrate that thing. What is it, what is it, what is it Elzar cooks with, the Neptunian slug? Yeah. This is why you need your cast iron. That's <laughs> why you need your cast iron cookware. The purple ones cause horrible nightmarish diarrhea. Eh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, man. This is the saltiest thing I've ever tasted. I once had a heaping bowl of salt. Is this salt water? It's salt with water in it, if that's what you mean. <laughs> so... They see uh, they see several of the young men hanging out, not warming as would have been expected. And Callum's like, oh, why aren't they warming? And Laurel's like, I don't know. And then she gets an odd look in her eyes. Let's go see. And so the kids all have what he calls solid Alethi dark eyes names like Jost and Jest and Mord and Cav. Not like Kaladin's name. 
So one syllable names? I guess so. I mean, Gaz. Uh, we know him. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And so here's another thing. Like, she's taking him over there, and he even says it later in the flashback and chapter. It's just like, she's taking him over there. She obviously knows, like, something's going to happen if they go over there. Like, I don't know. She just, she's not cool, man. Mm, yeah, that was just like, she wanted to come over here, and then she sits down and does nothing and just waits for me to talk to them. Like, oh, okay. Um, also, yeah, just want to say, as far, yeah. as far as the names go, I feel like Maud, like, every fantasy series has a Maud somewhere. <laughs> there was de- definitely one in Song of Ice and Fire. Okay. And there was, I think it's like the... I was reading a Viking-inspired fantasy one. Like I think it's the Bloodsworn. Yeah, I'm pretty sure there's a, mo- there's, there's a there's a mord in that as well. I'm like, why are there so many mords? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You do a sitcom, and then there's mord. <laughs> you think how many people did you uh, get that uh, reference? Mm-hmm. I was not one of them. No. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I feel <laughs> old. <laughs> what's what, what's the reference? And then there's mord. I don't get it. Yeah, and then there's mod. Oh, Maud. Got it. Okay. Yeah, but it's Mord. Yeah, no, I'm following. Get it now? Yeah. I gotta explain oh, well. the joke. It's not funny anymore. Good job. <laughs> and we we pronounce them the same way, so it works for us. I was I, I was I was thinking about Morn from Deep Space Nine. So I was about, I was about, to, I was about to say um like what was it like I was about to say Mord from Ord. Wait, no, that was Mork from Ork. Mork from Ork. Yeah, that's yeah. a different yes. thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If anybody. Him, I know. Yeah, if you should be thinking about anybody from Deep Space Nine, it's Quark. No, but Morn sounds more like Mord. I guess. And in in that other show that I do for Deep Space Nine, we uh we have to have like spotting Morn because he's always hanging around in the background somewhere. <laughs> hey, look, it's Morn. Yep. Morn. And so yeah, they they go down there and Laurel just kind of sits back and is gonna watch the show, whatever's gonna happen. This is another of those where I was like, so she's just too good to go and chat with the dark-eyed kids. Or is it more that she wants some shit to start and so she's going to sit back and watch? Either way, I don't think it speaks well of her, but whatever. Yeah, I definitely think she's shit starting. Well, I mean, yeah, I'm not at all surprised. But like I said, you know, 12-year-olds, I'm not surprised that they'd be like that. And so uh, Cal's like, hey, ho, Jost, uh, why aren't you guys warming? Well, wrong thing to say, because now it sounds like he's accusing them of, like, shirking their work. You could have been like, hey, what are you guys up to? But no, you had to, you know. Old Tarn found a patch of polyps that ain't growing right. Let us off for the day while they talk over whether to try another planting. And so Cal's like, yes, what are you guys talking about? You know, talking about football and basketball. Kaladin <laughs> stands out not just because, you know, he's uh, a higher status than these guys and all that, but he's also clean, uh, dressed in, in clean clothes, unlike any of them. So it just uh, it doesn't look great. Uh, his father had sent him and Tien out for the day while he tended to something at the city lord's manor, which we now know is the city lord dying. But uh, Kyle would pay for that break with late night studying by stormlight. But no use explaining that to the other boys. So, yeah, they they don't understand, you know, he doesn't just get to hang out. Or maybe they do, given how the scene ends. But And they're like, Cal, you know stuff about the world, right? You ever heard of a dark eyes becoming a light eyes? And Cal's like, well, I mean, yeah. A wealthy, dark-eyed merchant can marry into a low-born, light-eyes family, and uh, their children might have light eyes. So, it's like, no, no, no. You know, real dark eyes, like us. Not like you, their tone implied. Cal's family was the only uh, one of second non in town. The others were fourth or fifth. 
And Cal's like, I mean, yeah, ask Laurel. She was just talking about it. You win a shard blade on the battlefield and your eyes become light. And that's when Laurel chimes in. She's like, everyone knows even a slave could become a light eyes if you want a shard blade. One of the main reasons common men went to war. In Voren kingdoms, everyone had the chance to rise. And Nagat, well, that's the, the, which is not a single syllable name, but have you ever heard of it happening, not just in stories? And Cal's like, I mean, it must. Otherwise, why would so many men go to war? Well, yeah, that just sounds like it's some bullshit. The light eyes spread around to get you to go and fight for them. But maybe that's just me. Yeah, that does <laughs> sound definitely, like that. <laughs> definitely felt that way, too. We're, we're too cynical, our, our generation. You know, well, what can you do? We got to prepare men to fight for the tranquil line halls. We got to send soldiers to the heralds. The Ardens are always talking of it. I, I don't follow this reference. Is he saying that we have to send people to die? Hmm. I mean, we found out previously that, like, if you were a good warrior, then you go and help the heralds fight after you die. So maybe. Oh, that's what it is. It's not them dying so much as, you know, training to become good enough to help the heralds retake heaven yeah. or whatever. You, you go fight at the, at the gates to the outside. Yeah. <laughs> There's a Dresden Files reference. Yeah. And then one of the guys is like, oh, yeah, my dad totally. Like, was going to win a shard blade and become a light eyes, but then he got knocked unconscious and one of his buddies took it or whatever, so he got cheated. And Laurel starts laughing, which that's going to go over well. It's like, didn't your father fight in the waste cum skirmishes up north? Waste scum? That's just not a fun word. Um, And I like, she's like, tell him, Kaladin. Like, you you, uh, make them angry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. My boyfriend's going to beat you up. And, and how's that bus you just got thrown under Cal? Yeah, but it's not like Kaladin hesitates. He's like, I mean, she's right. Yeah, there weren't any shard bearers up there. That's because look, look, I love Kaladin. I think he's a, I think he's a really nice guy. There are times when he's just not that bright. <laughs> You're not wrong. Yeah, <laughs> but he tries to be nice about it. He's like, if your father saw one, he he must just be remembering incorrectly, which just makes the kid mad anyway. It's like remembering. I mean, yeah, I'm not saying he's lying. He. He might have some trauma-induced hallucinations or something. Yeah, Kaladin, when we see it started when he was young, he keeps, like, he, he's one of those guys, and I, I'm guilty, I'm, I can be guilty of it, too. It's like, you're trying to get out information because you have that information without reading the room. Mm-hmm. So. And you just end up digging oh, yeah. yourself deeper. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Dig up, Been there stupid. on the daily basis. <laughs> Like, yeah, I'm just trying to inform you guys. Hey, asshole, nobody cares what you have to say. That's uh, that's what they're thinking. Yeah. Mm. And so, yeah, the guy's like, you always trying to make us sound dumb. Want to make us seem stupid, huh? We ain't all lucky enough to spend our days eating fruit and laying about. Then he, he picks up <laughs> he picks up the staff and he holds one out for Kaladin. He's like, you insulted my fa. You get to fight. That's honor. You have honor, lordling. So here's uh, the same thing Gaz calls him, getting called back several years later. So wouldn't that be annoying? You're finally shaking off this name someone's given you as a kid, only to be called it when you're at your lowest of lows again by some asshole who really doesn't deserve a, a, a word in edgewise. <laughs> that would suck. That would suck, yes. Fucking Gary. Man, what, what can you do? <laughs> he is the worst. Oh, early prediction. Gaz is that guy grown up. Gaz oh. is Jost secretly. That would yep. be interesting. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that's not even secret bad guy. That's just secret dickhead. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, welcome Kaladin. to our new segment on the Sanderland. Secret dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> who's the dick? Who's the secretly a dickhead this week, guys? 
Most of it, most of the time, it's not secret. Let's be honest. I was gonna say uh, Gary's not really secretly a dickhead. It's just the secret is that he's another dickhead. <laughs> he's yeah. two in one. <laughs> he's two the, the same dickhead. Uh, We're playing double dickhead. And now Kaladin tries to calm things down by being like, "Oh, I'm not a lordling. I mean, Stormfather, just I'm only a few non higher than you are. Yeah. Not the right dig up, stupid. Yeah. Um, Correcting people isn't always the answer." And he I looks over that it's rarely the answer if you want to make them happy. Mm-hmm. And, and like he's thinking, yeah, you know, the boys are always looking for a way to make themselves look better than me. My dad says it has to do with their insecurity. At least he doesn't say that. It's like, look, Josh, you're just insecure and I get it. But uh, look, look, now I yeah. know you're mad. But the only reason you want to hit me is because of your repressed feelings of inadequacy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Your life is shit. Mine's not as shit. So you, you know, you want to get upset with me. No, I get it. But, uh, you know, you don't need to go down that path. And he's trying to, he's like, he, my dad would just say to walk away. But Laurel is sitting there smiling at me. Men didn't become heroes by walking away. So, you know, he, he's going through puberty right now. He, there's a girl he wants to impress that makes you do all sorts of stupid shit. Including, like, fight a guy when you've never held a quarterstaff in your life. And he's been <laughs> training in how to use one. So, <laughs> And I don't know if Laurel like expected him to win, but she's clearly very unimpressed by uh, the fact that he gets his ass handed to him pretty rapidly. Sort of made me think, like, I've never read the book, but I've seen the movie Stardust. Mm-hmm. How, at, like, throughout like that whole movie, like, well, at the start of the movie, Daredevil's enamored with that that, that utter bitch yep. that puts on a, a, a very pleasant front. Claire Danes, like, sure. No, 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 the other one. Like oh, yeah. oh yeah he, he goes to find the star to impress the girl and get her to marry him that's right i forgot about that yeah yeah and she was just the worst she's worse in the book like because there's more time to elaborate on her horridness but yeah i should get that book that movie was it, a lot of fun and it's neil gaiman isn't it it is neil gaiman yeah good book i mean it, it's it's one that i will often point at as to be like book and movie actually quite different in a lot of ways both good though yeah okay Cool. Back to the, this book, not that book. Although people out there read Stardust, good book. Uh, and so Jost is like, ah, uh, I like, I like. He he has the, the good, uh, he, the the sense to look a little bit abashed after he beats Kaladin down, and he's like, okay, I mean, my dad's been training me, so maybe the things he says are true. And Kaladin goes after him. He's 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 mad now. He didn't want to be embarrassed in front of the girl. And something changed in that moment. He felt an energy come over him. Spun, smashing the staff into one of Joss's hands, and then hit it, hit him in the side. I mean, it's it's not as impressive when you when it's like Josh has Jost has just lowered his staff because he thinks this is over. So you know, it's it's probably not that hard to take him unawares. But still, Kaladin makes showing for himself. But then he freezes up as uh, as you guys mentioned earlier because he sees that uh, the hand that he's just hit is bleeding. Just a little, but like he's like, I, I hurt someone the first time he's done that, I guess. And he, he realizes, like, you know, this is not great. I don't like hurting people. And he, he pauses for long enough to for pauses for long enough for Jost to retaliate. And Kaladin is like kind of enamored, even with having get, gotten knocked down again, like the feeling that he gets holding this weapon. And Jost has to be like, no, don't grab it again. I don't want to, like, have to hurt you for real. You did well. Just leave it. And Kaladin says, teach me. I'll worm for you. My father gives me two hours off each afternoon. I'll do your work, and then you teach me in the evenings what your father is teaching you with that staff. 
He had to know. He had to feel that weapon in his hands again. And Joss thinks about it, and he's like, no, your dad would kill me. Get those surgeon's hands of yours all covered with calluses. Wouldn't be right. You go be what you are, Cal. I'll be what I am. Seems like in that moment, they acknowledge that, all right, like, you're not a bad guy. You're just different from us. Yeah. It's easy. Laurel's already walked off at this point, so it's just like. (laughs) Yep. She took off after he got taken down. It's just not interesting anymore. Although there's also people coming down from the house to collect her, so that may be part of it. But yeah, I mean, it's easy, especially for young people, to like ostracize someone for being different. But uh, Jost is old enough, maybe, to recognize that, you know, being different does not necessarily mean bad. And so, yeah, he turns, and there's Tien sitting there on the ground after everyone is starting to wander off. He's like, how long have you been there? And Tien smiles and gives him another rock. And he's and Kaladin's thinking to himself, like, can I train myself out of freezing in a battle like that? Can I train myself to hurt other people? Do I want to? And they head back home and there's their dad. And he says, bright Lord Wistio has been carried by the winds. He's always been frail. The almighty calls all men back to the spiritual realm eventually. And Kaladin's like, you didn't do anything. He, he regrets that. But yeah, he's like, I did all I could. Perhaps a man with more training than I. Well, no use in regrets. Wistio had no son, so we have no city lord. And Laren says, the, those in Kolinar will appoint us a new one. And then he says that Wistio left us these spheres, this big goblet of diamond spheres, in order to pay Kaladin's way to become a uh, a surgeon in Carbranth. Bright Lord Wistio requested it be done, a last act to care for his people. You'll become a true master surgeon and return to Hearthstone. And Kaladin's like, uh if it was the Bright Lord's last wish, uh, then, yeah, there's no way I'm getting out of this at this point. And he thinks all that stuff Loral was saying about glory and honor, I don't really care about that. But there was something when I was holding that staff. And now it's gone. And the chapter ends with him just kind of thinking, trying to figure out his, his problem and uh, unable to come up with an answer. Well, there's a bit here where he, he pours the water on one of the rocks Tien gave him and he sees a face smiling at him. Yep. Uh, and like between that and the feeling of the clarity of grabbing the quarter stuff, I can't help but think uh, it makes me think of in white sand how we saw the shard face in the cloud. Like, oh, that's true. Uh, is, there, is this is this a shard like eyeing off a potential contender? Interesting. I never occurred to me. I like that. Our second chapter is called a bloody red sunset. And the small piece of, uh, of epigraph we get here is might I be quite frank? Before you asked why I was before you asked why I was so concerned. It's for the following reason. And then we don't get to hear the reasons. So that's nice. Taze. <laughs> and Kaladin has gone to visit an apothecary and Syl is sitting there like, oh, my God, he's so old. I didn't know men got this old. Are you sure he's not a decay spren wearing a man's skin? Which that's a disturbing. <laughs> what the? I, was, I was like, can they do that? Yeah, right. <sighs> I hope not. It sounds truly awful. Yeah, yeah. it does. And so Callan's like, yeah, my dad told me about apothecaries, men who walked the line between herbalists and surgeons. He's come to buy some stuff. And the guy's like, ah, young Bridgman, come for a ward against danger, perhaps? Or maybe a young washerwoman in camp has caught your eye. I have a potion which, if slipped into our drink, will make her regard you with favor. Which that's just. Yeah, you know, date rape. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, I mean, love really, potions seem to be a thing that uh, fantasy authors get away with. It's just such a really bold thing to come out with, like, off the bat. 
Yeah, right? Really? Like, maybe hear him out first. (laughs) So many people come in here looking for love potions that he's just like, I got you. I got you, my man. Wink, wink. (laughs) Even Harry Potter has, like, you know, the gross love potion stuff, which is. Yeah. Disturbing. Yeah, but it did still have, like, a subplot showing the damage they can do. Yeah. Well, subplot. It was, like, the, the main villain's backstory. That's true. I thought you were talking about, you know, Ron getting poisoned because of... Uh, I mean, that was still kind yeah. of fucked up, but it was played It was played for comedy. Um, <laughs> I think the only reason that the love potion and Ron stuff is in there is to, like, help you understand how it could happen with, uh, yeah. with Voldemort, so... Yeah. Because the same book as when, yep, like when they do all that explaining about Voldemort's backstory. So, and I like Sill is like, hey, you should buy that potion and give it to Gaz. Maybe he'll be nice to you. <laughs> oh boy, that is. Oh, I'm sure the fanfic authors had a field day with that one. <laughs> <laughs> and so Kaladin's thinking about how his dad told him about this, and you know the the bullshit that they try to peddle to make some ex, you know, some money here. Potions that'll contain some sugar or some pinches to, of herbs to spike alertness or drowsiness. And Colin's like, I need some bandages and a flask of Lister's oil or knobweed sap and a needle and some gut if you have it. And the guy's like taken aback by this. He's like, yeah, I'm the son of a surgeon trained. He, he was trained by a man who studied in the great concourse of Carbroth. And the guy's like, oh, OK, then he puts aside his cane and brushes his robes. He doesn't have to pretend to be a doddering old <laughs> magic man. I don't need this anymore. It's like the man's age hadn't changed, but he suddenly did not seem nearly as frail and his step was firmer. He'd lost the whispering raspiness of his voice. So this guy's good at his act, apparently. He, he's just fucking Grandpa Joseph from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. It's like, oh, I'm not actually. <laughs> yep. Yep. Grandpa Joe. There's there's the bad guy of that movie. <laughs> um, and he says, I mean, you could just go to the surgeon's hall. They'll charge you less. And apparently Bridgman not allowed to get stuff at the surgeon's hall. They don't count as part of the army enough to get bandages and disinfectant. Like how the guys open is like, you know, they're not going to they're not going to charge you an arm and a leg. I am. Yeah. And so the guy gives him some uh, some larmic mucus, which is not not as effective as the other two. And the guy's like, yeah, but it's way cheaper. And you are, as has been noted, a bridgeman. So the mucus is going to cost two blood marks for the bottle. So two ruby marks. He's like, well, that's cheap. Well, yeah, Lister's oil costs two sapphire. What about knobweed sap? I saw some of the reeds growing outside camp. It can't be that rare. He's like, yeah, but do you know how much sap comes from a single one of those plants? One drop, if you're lucky. So cheaper knobweed. than Lister's oil, but more expensive than mucus. Knobweed is an unfortunate name. <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, even if the mucus does stink like the Night Watcher's own backside. <laughs> there's... there's <laughs> There's there's a good yeah. simile. They think this knobweed's a plant, but they don't know. <laughs> oh, it's not no. a plant at all. <laughs> oh god. So basically, it would cost him ten days worth of pay to buy one of these jars of antiseptic. But uh, and you remember he, what he has are four clear marks because he gave one of his five to Gaz. The needle and gut will cost two clear marks, so that's half of all of the money he has. And he's like, okay, fine, I can afford that, barely. How much for the bandages? Two full emeralds? He's like, ah, they're just old scrap that I bleach and boil. Two clear chips and arm length. You surgeons are all the same. Never give a blink to consider where your supplies come from. You just use them up like there'll be no end. 
And Cal is like, you can't put a price on a per- person's life, which had been one of his father's sayings. <laughs> I was expecting the apothecary to go, well, I wouldn't have thought so either, but here we are. <laughs> uh, I mean, given that Kaladin has the brands on his forehead of a slave, I think he would have been like, you're a weird one to say that. All right. Yeah. And then the apothecary is like, wait a second, you're trying to pass off some dun spheres on me? So the spheres do not have, uh, the, they're not glowing stormlight. And he has to check, and he's like, oh, no, these are real gemstones. You should, you should get your spheres infused, Bridgman. They were glowing this morning. Gaz must have paid me with rundown spheres. And he asks, yeah, Kaladin asks if he can keep the glowy one. He's like, it's always good luck to keep a glowing sphere in your pocket. And so let's see what else. He 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 leaves, spends the afternoon listening to the soldiers at the mess hall to learn some stuff about the war camps that he didn't know because he never paid any attention before. Now he knows about the chrysalises, the gem hearts, the competition between the high princes, all the stuff that he was wondering about before. Still doesn't know why the bridgeman can't carry shields. We know that one, but I guess that's not the kind of thing you spread around. So we got 10 war camps for the 10 high princes. Each one has its own crater, and he's part of Sadius's war camp. And we get a thing where uh, he says, I hadn't expected so much discord among the camps here. I thought it'd be like, you know, one big king's army. And Syl, uh, very wisely, is just like, people are discord. You all act differently and think differently. Nothing else is like that. People are like, ruin! (laughs) Fucking ruin. She says, Spren are, in a sense, virtually the same individual. There's harmony in that, but not in you. Harmony with a lowercase there. Yeah, right. And discord with a lowercase, so. Well, I forgot discord was one of the shards that we heard about. Well, Discord was a possible, like, alternate identity for Harmony, basically, that we talked about. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. And he says, but not all Windsprint act alike. You're proof of that. And she's like, yeah, maybe now you can see why that bothers me. When every single other one acts exactly the same as all the rest. The, we find out that the barracks are soul cast directly from air into stone. But nobody's allowed to watch that because it's a secret holy rite. And then it's time for a bridge run. The horn blasts and he has to run up and just he got back just in time. Line up, everybody. Everybody get in line. And I like there's a strict rotation on who gets to be in the front, who gets to be in the back of the bridge running. Bridge crews had a brutal system of self-management. If a man tried to cheat, the others forced him to run the final approach in front. <laughs> Gaz even refused bribes to let people switch positions. Perhaps he knew the only stability, the only hope a bridgeman had was in their rotation. If this is trying to make me think Gaz ain't so bad, it's not working. <laughs> but the exception was the bridge leader. Kaladin gets to run in front most of the way and then in the back for the assault because he's in charge. The safest position in the group. None of them are actually safe, but that's slightly safer than the other ones. And so here go the bridges. All of them headed down. And the bridgemen, they work hard to move fast, not just because they're afraid of beatings, but because if they get there fast enough to beat the Parshendi, they don't get shot at and killed. So there's impetus to run quick. Sure. That'll get you going. So eventually they they get past where the permanent bridges are, and Bridge 4 has to put their bridge down for the first time. And everybody collapses, except this time Kaladin's like, no. No, I stand. Moash swears at him. The rest barely pay any attention to him. But he's like, no, I'm going to stand up here, putting my hands behind my back, watching the army cross. And one of the soldiers is like, hey, little bridgeman, curious what a real soldier looks like? And then Kaladin gives him a little thing about, like, this bridge, that's my weapon. You treat her well. You're a mother. <laughs> and then High Prince Sadius comes across and always seems so heroic and distinguished. A gentleman general. This guy's different. Brown face, curly hair, lofty expression. 
armor painted red and the helm with frivolous tassels on it. Seems excessive. The tassels are a weird touch, yeah. And after he's gone, Calvin's like, oh man, I was probably supposed to like bow, huh? Oh well, too late now. So they have to get the bridge crew back up. It takes special prodding to get Rock, the large horn eater, up and moving, but they do. Rock. And so here we go. It's time to get there, and the Parshendi are there first, so that's not good. Sadius will want to attack quickly before the Parshendi can get the gem heart out of the shell. And Rock is supposed to be up front, but Calvin goes, hey, you're in my spot. He thinks to himself, how can you lead from the rear? And so he's going to go up and be in the front. And Rock tries to argue for a second. He's like, nah, getting back. He's like, you know, okay, whatever. You're airsick, lowlander. You wish to die? Why do you not go leap into the chasm? Being airsick, that doesn't sound fun. And so we are finding out several new names in this chapter that I don't think that we'd known before. We've got, uh, who did we learn here? We already knew Teft. Uh, there's Drahi. I don't remember if we heard that one before. We knew Rock. We've got... we got Merc. Yeah. Layton, Layton, Adis, and Coral, and Merc. Five men in the front line, the death line. And what uh, do all of these guys? No, Layton survives, right? He, he gets injured. But everybody on the front uh, gets hurt except Kaladin. And three of them, I'm pretty sure, die. They run at him. The Parshendi are shooting their bows. They always put a new men into a rotation at the death point. That way, if they died, you didn't have to worry about training them. That's nice. And as the bows loose at them, he screams, Tien! Arrows coming. He feels a surge, a jolt of energy, a surge of strength. Probably a lot of, lot of, what do you call it? Test, or adrenaline at that point. Um, <laughs> testosterone. That's a different, yep. His voice got two shades deeper. <laughs> so Merc goes down with four or five Tien! arrows. Leighton, <laughs> Adis, Coral, everybody in the front line goes down except for Kaladin. Uh, do we skip the part? Where Sill like shoots out like a ribbon in front of him. Oh yeah, it does say that. Yeah, that's like I don't know. There's something to that. I think there's some kind of magic at play here. You reckon, you reckon that's why he didn't get hit. Well, I mean, he does get hit but not in fatal. a minute. Yeah, not fatally. But yeah, there's some kind of magic at work. I feel like could be. I mean, I mean something wind, wind sprint. She could be just like blowing the arrows to the side. That's true. I guess yes, I don't know how how that works, but sure. There's clearly something weird about her, as we've established. So who knows? She doesn't even really know what she might be doing, which makes it hard for us to try to figure out if she's doing something when she doesn't even maybe know. There's also this bit here where the past Shendi just like look at him. They look like confused. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, so it says that some of them maybe lower they, their bows. Maybe that maybe they can see some effect of whatever she's doing. Yeah. Whatever, whatever reason this, this this group of them lowers their bows, it gives them precious extra seconds to get their bridge down. And here comes a cavalry charge across the bridge, and the Parshendi forget the bridgeman after that. And so yeah, Kaladin took uh, took a little bit of a hit on his side, straight laceration, inch long, not wide enough to be dangerous. And so Kaladin is ready to be to be done. He's he's about ready to pass out. And then he hears his father's voice: "Some people take lives, other people save lives." So he starts trying to help the people who are down. The, there's a bridgeman named Hobber who has an arrow through his leg, tries to grab him and pull him over to a, a little bit, a small bulge in the rock where Rock and some of the other bridgemen had sought shelter. So he manages to get Hobber there to drop him off. And then he goes to try to find somebody else. He finds Korm, who is dead. Gadol, who is very badly injured, but he takes him back. 
five still missing. He finds David curled up, his arm twisted at an awkward angle. And when he gets up to him, David doesn't even seem to notice Kaladin. He's in shock. So he manages to kind of drag him over or he starts trying to get him dragged over. And then it's tough. He's worn himself out. And that's when Rock shows up. Uh, air sick, lowlander, crazy. And he uh, he grabs David and pulls him over. And Kaladin's like, oh, four more. We got to find him. And Teft says, yeah, we've got Merc, Leighton, Adis, and Coral. They were in the front. And Kaladin's like, yeah, Merc's dead. The others might be alive. And Rock says, idiot, stay here. Is all right. I do this thing. Guess I'm an idiot, too. If I die, I die. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, he starts treating these injured men. He has, He's like, Dunny, go get a knife. Narm, you make a fire. He rips off. He, he pulls off. Sorry, go gonna be able, I'm never going to be able to take Dunny's name seriously. <laughs> no, right. I was going to say, it's really unfortunate. <laughs> Poor <laughs> Dunny. Takes, takes me out every time. I'm just like, <laughs> they got a Old toilet. Dunny. Think in my brain, I just call him, like, Denny instead. Just so I can not there you use go. Dunny. Yeah, okay. He gives, he gives them his shirt to use for Tinder for the fire. I mean, that's only going to work once. I guess you can get some off a dead guy later if you want. Someone else go rip open a rock bud and get me the water gourd inside. And everybody just does what he says. He's like, maybe they're too stunned to object, but whatever. They're helping. He's he's playing the game of, like, like he's being so crazy, doing hideously crazy things, all in order to be selfless and help other people that they then feel ashamed for not helping out as well. And it's like, well, better. Otherwise, like, he's better than me. And fucking... <laughs> Unlike young Kaladin, they uh, could pick their moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then as he's trying to save Gadol, Gadol starts coughing up blood and says, they break the land itself. They want it, but in their rage, they will destroy it. Like the jealous man burns his rich things rather than let them be taken by his enemies. They come. Yeah. And then yeah, so this was like, yeah, he dies. Then this was like, to me... The epigraph thing, right? It's like right before somebody dies, they utter this yeah. weird prophetic thing. Mm. So there's got to be something going on with that. Because I don't know that every single person in this world does that before they die. But uh, this guy certainly did. Yeah. Presumably people who die suddenly don't get the chance. But well, uh... I, I wonder if also because of where they are, they're on the shattered plains. Mm. It's like you're talking about like, oh, they they break the land itself. I'm like, well, that's where you are. So maybe it's something to do with being close to the shattered plains and this and the unclaimed territories. Mm. Like there's some some effect here that's causing this to happen, maybe. So those the, the ones in the in part one that were all seem to be recorded by someone. You think they were recorded out here? Could have been. Maybe. Mm. I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. It's like I, like if, if this is the disputed lands, the past Shandy are out here. It might have something to do with, like, the shard effect. This is where it's the strongest, and that's why there aren't civilizations, like, like human civilizations settled here. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. This place, this place is weird, and it seems to make things weirder around people. <laughs> this place is weird. Yeah, no, okay. I buy that. Uh, the other three are dead. They only found Leighton, who was still alive. Uh, his left leg had been trampled by a horse. So that's nice. And Kaladin manages to uh, to save these guys. I mean, we, we clearly lost the one guy. But uh, end of the day, after all of his application of, uh, you know, bandages and everything else that he could do, he didn't get the antiseptic, so he can't use that. 
So he has to do a lot of uh, carter- cauterizing, which that's not fun, but yeah. And I like he had to take the cleanest portion of the bandage he used on Gettle and use it on Hopper because he's, he's already running out of that stuff. And I do like when he's done, he he gives the knife back. He's like, go put put it back on the dead guy you took it from. I don't want anyone to accuse us of like robbing the dead or whatever. That was a nice touch. I really like that bit. Mm. And Teft gives him some water and he's like, you drink this, you'll need it. Where'd you learn to heal men like that? I wasn't always a slave. And Rock's like, these things you did, they won't make a difference. Gaz makes us leave behind wounded who cannot walk. It is standing order from above. I'll deal with Gaz. So what he wants to do is have two guys in charge of Leighton, two guys in charge of Hobbert. They can't walk, so they're going to tie them to the bridge, carry them, and then quickly untie them at the chasms before the army crosses. And also, someone will have to lead David if his shock is not passed. And Rock's just like, Gaz won't stand for this thing. So Kaladin has to go find Gaz, fucking Gary. He'll be like, and he looks at Kaladin covered with blood, and he's like, how much of that blood is yours? Like, hopefully, maybe. He's just like, you're going to die, right? You're going to relieve me of my problem? And Kaladin just says, we're taking our wounded. And Gaz's like, no, if they can't walk, they stay behind. Standing orders, not my choice. And Kaladin just says, we're taking them. Bright Lord Lamoral won't stand for it. Gaz is superior. And Kaladin's like, "You, you send us back last to lead the wounded soldiers back to camp. Lamoral won't go with them. He won't know. He'll be too busy at Sadius's victory feast. And he gives his last sphere over to Gaz, that one that he kept earlier because it was the lucky, glowy sphere. And I like he's like, well, you think one clear mark is going to be enough to make me take that big a risk? He goes, if you don't, I'll kill you and let them execute me. And like, that's just in a calm voice that he's saying this too. He's just like, well, you can take my bribe or I'll murder you right here. And not give a shit. Yep. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you could take my money. Or you could take my blade. He didn't have a blade, <laughs> but yeah. You could take made, my fingers around your neck. He's made it clear to Gaz that he can kick his ass if it comes to that, so. <laughs> Shut up and take my money or I'll snap your fucking neck. And Gaz, uh, I mean, given that Kaladin is, uh, has proven he can kick his ass, like I said. But also he's staying there, like, covered in blood. Uh, it's apparently intimidating. And so he takes the sphere and, he, and a dun sphere at that. And Calvin's like, well, that's your fault. You gave it to me. These spheres were newly infused last night. They came straight from Bright Lord Sadius's treasury. What did you do with them? It's like, yeah, is that because something to do with the location as well? Because the Shadow Plains are so weird? and Or is it I don't know, something, they're something with Sil's presence? Yeah, because they're all on the Shattered Plains, so they would all expect that, I guess, if they... Oh, that's a good point. Like, if that was something that happened all the time. I wrote down a little note for myself here like is is he without knowing it is kaladin somehow channeling stormlight or maybe sill is that's a good good thought but maybe kaladin's using stormlight and he doesn't even know could be we have seen a guy like take stormlight out of spheres before yeah uh, to use for various purposes so i guess it's possible kaladin's not you know jumping walking on the ceiling and shit but he could be doing something or Sil could be doing something, like you said. Yeah, that that might make more sense. I was going to be like, I don't know if he could be doing something without knowing that he was doing something. But maybe Sil, maybe Sil knows more than she's letting on. I mean, we saw Vin using her, her luck without knowing what she was doing. That's true. So yeah. yeah. It's possible. Right. Well, well she didn't know what still... it was, but she wasn't doing it unconsciously, right? 
uh, I think they established that she was using some metals unconsciously, but she was definitely consciously yeah. using her luck at times. Yeah. Also, like, Phil's been with him for a while now, and I feel like she was becoming different before he even had currency available. That's true. As a slave, he didn't really have any cash, probably, huh? Mm. I mean, he's still a slave, to be technical, but... Yeah, but he he was sacri- like he was using his pay to pay down his debt, and he only just right. decided that he was going to take the money instead. So he hasn't had like infused gems this whole time. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting thought. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, it hadn't even occurred to me that he he maybe he he could have been if he's doing something with these. Maybe he could have been doing it for a while. He just didn't have the chance. But Syl has, according to her, she's been like watching him since he was in the army when he presumably would have had spheres he was using them to bribe surgeons or the 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 medics and stuff so yeah i don't know i don't know and i like sills just like i mean i don't trust him he could just say that you threatened him and then send men to arrest you and colin's like i mean yeah maybe he will i'll just have to count on him wanting more of my bribes and sills just like spheres that doesn't seem like much to count on he's like yeah maybe not but i've seen the way he looks at them he wants that money it's um the TN line from Abridged. It's like at this point it's a game. If he kills me, I win. And he knows that. <laughs> I don't remember that. I I talking, about, watched... to- talking about Vegeta at some point. I've watched Abridged in forever though. Let me go back and refresh myself. If there's one thing you can count on about men, it's their greed. It was a bitter thought, but it had been a bitter day. A hopeful, bright beginning and a bloody red sunset, just like every day. And that is um, that's the end of our chapters. I think I think you guys will find the next epigraph interesting. That is, as I just turned to it as I was finishing the chapter, and it popped out at me. But anyway, we'll get there. So first, predigments. What? Uh, where are we going? What are we doing? What's going to happen in this book? I don't know. I don't really have much additional stuff to go off this week. I think I think we've had some interesting thoughts about the stormlight and and what's happening there, but yeah, I don't know. I think you know previously we've talked about Kaladin's stuff, like looking up. I think he's still he's definitely at least determined to make that better. And I think today, like today's chapters, while he lost people, he was able to save people, which is a good thing for him to have been able to do. Maybe some of the other people in the in the bridge crew, you know, will will sort of follow suit now and try and try and live like that. It sounds like we've got a a little bit of a crew building. We had a lot of names brought up, you know, Davila Davila. I think that's how is that how you say his name? Wait, who are we talking about? Davila. Mm, Gavilar the was king. the king. Yeah, Gavilar. Gavilar. No, not Gavilar. The brother. Delana. Delana. Delana? Yeah. Delana. I'm getting them confused. You know, we had his name come up and Thaddeus's name come up. And these are these are names that Kaladin was really familiar with in his youth. So I guess now to be pretty close to NAR and obviously like in Thaddeus's army and stuff, still thinking that eventually he will cross paths with them. And I think I don't think he and Thaddeus are gonna be like best of buds Sadius doesn't really care with what he's doing but we know that Dalinar doesn't feel good about the way Sadius runs his army so I'm still 
hoping, predicting that those two will close cards and maybe be able to come to an understanding, pull pull Kaladin out of the bridge crew at least and be able to to make a bit of a difference. I like what we were just talking about, about Stormlight and maybe Kaladin's been using some Stormlight somehow. It would sort of make sense being one of our main protagonists to be able to do something like that. Maybe, I don't know, maybe Kaladin will, will end up with a, a gem heart or something. I don't know how that would even happen, but maybe that would happen. That'd be cool. Hmm. A gem heart inside of him? No, no, like if he manages to get one. Think oh, of okay. all of like the okay. medical supplies and stuff he could get with that. Like That's true. I don't know how he would get his hands on it, but you know, that's obviously a much smaller scale. He spent time finding things with his brother. Maybe he could find something. I don't know when he'd have the time to leave his bridge crew and be able to help with that, but it's true. You know, we're talking about people being able to like become light eyes as well. Like that would be that would be cool for for Kaladin to do. Maybe does Sadius have a shard blade? No, Sadius has a shard plate, but no blade. Plate, not the blade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe yeah. I don't know. Maybe he'll he'll inherit a shard blade from someone. Mm. I like I like what you said yeah, about like. Him meeting up with some of these his his heroes because in the in the flashback I think we heard we heard several people mentioned as like these legendary whatever we heard Gavilar who's now dead uh, Dalinar who you were just like you know maybe he'll meet up with Dalinar we like Dalinar we like Kaladin that'd be good right Amaram who we find Which out is who sold knows. him into slavery so yeah that's not great and then he ran into Sadius today and uh, you know they didn't have any interaction but he's not impressed by him. Not at all. Yeah. So these guys are mostly not living up to the hype, is what we're learning. No, but I feel like someone has to, right? We also haven't really been in, well, we haven't been inside Sadius's head or Amaram's head or true anything like that. Obviously, Gavilar, we we're not going to, um, unless we get a flashback of some sort. But yeah, come on, Dalinar, you can do it. (laughs) Be better. Be better, please, than all of these other jokes. Yep. Yep. (laughs) All right, predicaments. So, yeah, I don't know how if Laurel is going to come back into the picture at all. I, I mean, he's his life has changed so dramatically since then. It would be surprising, but maybe. Who knows? I think that Cowden's mission is going to start gaining some momentum now that his bridge crew has seen him in action and seen what he intends to do and what he wants to do. I think that's going to start building some momentum, and I think that's going to make him get noticed by uh, some of these people, like the soldier that kind of already, the squad leader that kind of already noticed him and was kind of like, huh. And then word's going to spread eventually about like this bridge crew that is surviving and like doing better and becoming like the bridge crew of the of Sidious's army. And then as far as the other points of interest that I wrote down. I don't know if these like before death prophetic utterings are going to come into play in the main story at all, or if it's going to be something in the background since it's part of the epigraphs as well. But it would be interesting to like kind of unravel that mystery again, uh, going back a little bit to the flashback stuff, TN like uh, at this point, I would just like to know more about him. We only got one look at him and obviously there were some, there was some kind of strange little, quirks about about tn so it'd be interesting to get to know more about that and then yeah i i, I really do think that maybe kaladin's using stormlight without realizing it and that's why these uh you know his marks are draining so quickly 
And I almost wonder if he's like using them as an energy source for himself because like he some of his marks have already dimmed when he sells where when he buys stuff from the apothecary. But the only thing he'd done before that is like work out a bunch and somehow yep. kept going. And so maybe he's somehow able to use the stormlight as an energy source without realizing that that the, the, that that is what he is doing. So, yeah, it's pretty much all I got. Yeah, I mean, you make a good point that we see like most of the spheres dimmed before even like the big battle and stuff. So, yeah, maybe the only thing that he did was you're right, run around the yard as far as we know. So, yeah, well, and then he went out and spent some time listening uh, to the ar- people in the army talk about what was going on. But yeah. So if he's using it, he's uh, maybe using it in some mundane ways. Hmm. Yeah. I'm not sure either about where, like why his fears are all going done. I do think he is going to come into contact with someone else on the other, on the other side of things. I actually think there's a, there's a lot of, um, there's been a lot of talk about gaining shard blades. Mm-hmm. You know, then you become a light eyes and everything. And I think that's going to come into play. I've got a bit of a web going here. So we've talked a lot about how about you know you be you you get it you get a shard blade you become you become a light eyes and everything else. And I think there's a few step there's going to be a few steps to this because every time we think every time Kaladin gets something that he is that he doesn't work for, it gets a lot worse for him. It's like here, it's like things only get better when Cal- when Kaladin himself works to make things better. So I think if he does get a shard blade, I think he will, and I think it's going to get even worse because he is in Sadius's army, and so Sadius is going to try and claim some right to the shard blade once Kaladin Ooh. gets it. So yeah, I think Kaladin will get a shard blade. Sadius will either try and claim it. Or he'll try and really buddy up to Kaladin and say, "Well, I mean, you like you're my guy. You're in my army. Like, yeah, you're a light eyes now, but you like I'm the still the bright lord. You still work for me." And Kaladin will maybe try and use that to get better rights to the bridge crews. And Sadius is like, the "Fuck! Why do we care about the fucking bridge crews?" <laughs> and so, but yeah, you'll have this guy who was a bridgeman who suddenly become. Uh, a wielder of a shard blade and everyone's going to be like trying to, Oh, what's this guy like? And that'll factor into Adeline trying, like trying to get one over on Sadius. So maybe he'll try and buddy up with him as well. And Calvin's like, you people are all just trying to fucking use me. No, I got this sword and I'm going to use it to look out for my, look out for the little guy. So yeah, I think, I think that's where we're going to go with this. It, it's definitely convenient that we're told in this chapter, like even a slave could become a light eyes and, Probably, and we know that there's like kind of low level light eyes that aren't as important as other ones. Probably, if you have one of these super rare shard blades, you're not even like an unimportant one. You're a pretty important guy. So yeah. it it would be very convenient for our story if our hero could go from slave to important guy who can make a difference in one fell swoop, right? Yeah, but like, yeah, the the crucial the crucial thing is like everyone treats it as getting a shard blade means you've got it made, and mm-hmm. we're gonna see that's not the case. It's actually gonna throw Kaladin into this po- uh, politics game that he's woefully unprepared for, and he's just like, I'm just out here trying to save my guys, man. He would be ridiculously unprepared for it. Yeah, um, we we don't even know at this point that he's gotten any better about uh, knowing when not to say things than when he was a kid. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's what's going to happen. The other, the other side to all this as well is, like, 
the the little bit where the Parshendi were looking at him, just like, what the hell? They were staring at him confused. That's going to be crucial. So maybe, like, I predicted once upon a time that he would, you know, go hang out with the Parshendi for whatever reason at some point. I'm still not ruling that out. Okay, so Kaladin and, and Parshendi BFFs still on the table. I get you. Yeah, I mean, maybe he decides, well, I'm a sh- I'm a, I've got a shard blade. Uh, maybe, <laughs> fuck it, I'm just going to go negotiate with the Parshendi and, like, see what's what against everyone's like orders and wishes that would be interesting um i would like to see how that went because yeah. once again we still don't know very much about the parshendi about their attitudes towards anything really so yeah okay these are some interesting okay yeah you, some interesting possibilities opening up with those predicaments i like it all right let us move on to we have one new review and one new email for today so let us do those the first one is a review from Parge73, P-A-R-G-E-73. This podcast is Final Awakening, Lorassium in its purest form. Anyway, these are questions. I'm working through the back catalog (laughs) and I'm right at the end of Era 1. I think you have one episode left until Secret History. I have loved the guesses and the jokes. My podcast player won't play the episodes in order, so when one ends, it jumps to a random mid-Warbreaker episode where there are still oh volcano God. jokes going on. <laughs> That's got to be so frustrating. Yeah, right, it would be. Will you do the secret projects after Stormlight 5? I'm assuming by the time you get to Stormlight 5, it will be out, considering that you're just starting the Way of Kings. Um, That was the end of the review. Uh, to answer that question... I would want to read Stormlight 5 before – I think we could safely – from my perspective right now, I think after Stormlight 4, it would certainly be safe to read the secret projects because, I mean, then we would have read the same amount that anyone else could have read before they came out, essentially. So it would be as safe as it was for anybody else. But uh, it's possible Stormlight 5 might be a better place to read them after. I don't know. No one's read Stormlight 5 yet, so we'll see. Yeah. I've read Stormlight Five, but that's you know. So, what are you, five stars? What are you gonna get? Oh yeah, uh, like you can be an yeah, you can be an auger. How about that? Ooh, nice. Augging it up. Thank you for your five star review. If anyone wants to leave us a five star review on like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever, throw that out there. Joe will give you a misting power to uh, j- jump you into the misting crew. Our our email is from Amanda Truthwatcher, who sent us an email just recently because I was editing an episode and heard that name. So I remember it. The title of this email is White Sand. Hello, Sander Lanch crew. I want to thank you for your podcast, but mostly for your coverage of the White Sand omnibus. Before anything was published on this story, I read the prose version and fell in love with Chrysala. She's one of my favorite characters in the Cosmere. I pre-ordered the three volumes of White Sand and read them as well, and in doing so found that I don't particularly like reading graphic novels. So when I received my pre-ordered omnibus, I had a hard time reading it since I had already done so. Then I was introduced to your podcast. Reading along with you fine people helped me get through it at last, and because of all the updates, I am eternally grateful to you. Maybe you can help me get through the dark one as well sometime in the far future when you get to that. I'm all, I'm almost halfway through your coverage of Warbreaker now, and as always, I'm loving listening to your thoughts and predicaments. Dragonsteel 2023 is coming up fast, and I'm a little sad I won't be able to be there this year. I went to the both the previous ones, but last year I started feeling sick on the flight, and by the time my husband and I got to our hotel room, I realized I was fully sick. I was devastated, as I looked forward to coming to the first Cosmere Dragonsteel Con all year, 
It wasn't COVID. I made sure and I wore a mask so as not to get anyone else sick. I was only able to attend one thing on the first day and two on the second. So I'm upset I couldn't be there more and possibly have seen Data and Joe there. Maybe I could have started listening to you guys last year. Anyway, Dragonsteel Books just teased us today with the ugly sweaters. I will definitely pick up the Mistborn one, even though both look great. How about any of you? Do the sweaters look appealing to you? Thank you so much for taking all the time and effort to produce your podcast. Wasing to the time of next. Amanda Truthwatcher. P.S. I love Eastern Street Slang, a.k.a. High Imperial, and I'm so glad you use it regularly. It just shows how much you all secretly love it as well. <laughs> oh, yeah, we love it. Uh, I'm, not a, I'm not a sweater guy, so, like... Not, I don't want a sweater. That's just, that's just me. I'm not a sweater guy. Uh, I don't know. I didn't know they were a thing. Yeah, hold on. There's one of them is is from uh, one of them is from some books we have not read yet. So I won't show you that one, but I will show you the Mistborn uh, one that that because he, he it was literally like yesterday or something that oh, wow, I got no, any okay. of these in it. So uh, there's Brandon wearing the Mistborn one. That's pretty cool. I like that. Yeah, I think I might actually get that one. I don't. Uh, the other one is uh, the, is Skyward, and I don't like it as much. But uh, this one, I, I think, is kind of neat. Was it just the two? Uh, that's the only two that I saw. Although when I just Googled for it, there is a Stormlight one, but I don't know if this is. Um, surely we're not going to get spoilers off of a sweater. Well, no, certain. Well, technically, there's know. a big old there's a big old <laughs> picture there's a picture of a character on the uh, the Skyward one, uh, so that might count as a spoiler. Okay, when I Googled sweaters, somebody was wearing a Stormlight one in a picture, but this was like three years ago. Somebody's like homemade ugly Christmas sweater based on Stormlight, so that is not for sale. The Mistborn one's pretty cool. Yeah, I like it. Uh, so, I mean, I, I I don't know. I'll see how much they cost. Uh, I don't re- I'm not a sweater person either, but every once in a while, you know, somebody has like an ugly Christmas sweater party or at the office it's like it's ugly christmas sweater day or whatever so i like to have one or two around just in case an event comes up where i need one uh sometimes at my work though it'll be like it's sports day you can wear the jersey of your favorite sports team and i don't care about sports so i don't own any sports jerseys so i'm often like (laughs) i need i need to get some sort of like you know like a gryffindor quidditch jersey or something just so i have something to wear on sport day go sports yeah Go Sportland Sports. <laughs> they, they need to have like a um the the Stormlight Bridge running races. That's uh oh, that's 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 kind of dark actually. Yeah. I just I just the other day got an email from some shop about like all of their uh their new geek ugly Christmas sweaters and uh I'll, I'll just share one of those with Wait. you too because it's funny. Wait, why did – no, no, we can get like a – was it Noseball? Noseball team? team. Oh, yeah, team Noseball coach? team's going. Yeah, yeah, we need to do that. Noseball! Yeah. I, I really hope they change that name. I'm just – I mean, Mistball was right there. It's, yeah, no, that, that even that would be better. Although if it's if it's not actually played in the mists or mists involved some way, it would still seem like a weird name. Yeah, I guess. So it's like thank the, you. the the entire team strategy would revolve around oh what kind of misting is the uh, is this player oh that's true it could be like pro bending and uh, you, you get different mistings that can be on the yeah okay man this shit writes itself <laughs> <laughs> so thank you Amanda for your email if anyone wants to send us an email the address is thesanderlanch at gmail dot com find us on Instagram and X 
and Patreon, where I'm still posting my reactions to the Sunlit Man. And I don't think those will even be done before that uh, the fourth Skyward book comes out. And then I'll start reading that and uh, recording my reactions to that. So we're just we're going to have some Patreon content for a while now. If you're interested in hearing me ramble, feel free to check that out. Yeah. And soon we might even have a secret project on there. We don't know. Yeah. We're, we're talking about other possible pieces of content for the Patreon um, for next time. Two more chapters. We're going to do, I almost said 16 and 17. We just did 16 and 17. We're going to do 18 and 19 are the two that are after 16 and 17. We're not going to skip and do like 20 and 21 yet. No, 18 and 19 for next time. Uh, And here's the part of the show where I go, what am I forgetting? Because I know there's something. Oh, I know. We're going to do our word of Brandon of the week. Assuming that I have one. Let's see. I need to start repopulating my list. I've read most of them. Okay, here's a here, here's a little one that I don't think is uh, will is too complicated, but it's just an interesting little note. A guy named Orange Jedi asks Brandon if a copper cloud, who you guys will remember, like Clubs was a copper cloud that's somebody who can burn copper. A smoker was another name for it. If a copper cloud was near an awakener, would they dampen the effect of, the, of colors being deepened around an awakener? And Brandon says, I hadn't thought of that. Yes. That one is tenuous. A tenuous yes, though. I would have to think about it. Tenuous at best. That's so just, exactly what you want to hear from the creator god. <laughs> just just <laughs> an, another little glimpse at how these magics overlap in way, weird ways. So a copper cloud isn't just preventing you from detecting stuff with allomancy. It's doing something that could affect how other forms of investiture display themselves. Okay, that's confusing it's not what i thought like they they i was like yeah it just obscures people from seeing that you're using their your powers and like oh it's actually affecting how you use your powers okay that's different well i guess i mean if it's if it's dampening the effect of colors being deepened like the colors being deepened around you is not like that's that's something that other people can see to tell that you're highly invested with breaths or whatever it's not necessarily part of how your powers work uh yeah i I guess so yeah i don't know i don't know it's a it's a weird (laughs) little thing it's less of my shaky grasp of uh, of uh, copper clouds and more of my shaky grasp of awakening. Well, yeah, because as we established, even by the end of that book, we're still like, what the, what the hell do awakeners do? Yeah. Uh, so there's that one. Did I say music by Miracle of Sound? I don't remember. If I didn't, there, I, now I did. Music by Miracle of Sound. This uh, episode of the Santa Lynch brought to you by MeUndies. <laughs> brought to you by <laughs> Snacky S'mores. <laughs> Glagnar's human rights. Human rights. It's a bunch of bunch of humans. Damn it! You beat me to it by like half a second. Oh, oh well, that 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 is my favorite uh, product. Yeah, I also like Robo Rooter. <laughs> can also help with an impacted vowel. Robo Rooter. Okay, so that 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 that's enough, Futurama. Thanks everyone for listening. No. Thank you, emailers. Thank you, patrons. Thank you, people leaving reviews. You're all awesome. And two chapters for next time. Wasing to the time of next. Colo? P.S. Fasher. Crabs ahoy! <laughs> all glory to the hypno-toad!